0: This podcast has explicitly adult themes and language. Listener discretion is advised.
1: listeners. We hope that you've been enjoying Kinky Queries and we really love making this podcast and would like to hear from you. Whether it's giving us a review or sending us questions, we'd appreciate it. If you're shy, we've got an anonymous form on the website, so just go to www.kinkyqueries.com and scroll to the bottom of the homepage and you can just send us a quick question and we'll never know who the heck you are. And you can also learn a heckin' ton about us and the podcast and listen to episodes you may have missed. You can also just say hello because we like getting hellos and we like getting greetings so just like send us fun messages we'd appreciate it okay we hope to hear from you soon
0: that was adorable like i'm delighted with the shout out for our website it brings me much joy um, yeah well this is kinky queries a podcast where you send in questions and we work out the kinks or more often than not work in the kinks my name is james my pronouns are he him i identify as a trans man i consider myself gender queer I love the word queer I think it's the easiest way to describe my identity and sexuality if I really wanted to like poke at the nitty-gritty of it I don't know I'm flirting between bisexual or a he him lesbian like my deepest fear of transitioning was becoming a straight man and I'm not about to fucking do that um any any person of any gender who dates me becomes queer I'm sorry I don't make the rules and that's (laughs) thank you thank you yeah uh, queer i am like just flirting with it by the way. I'm just like I don't know. I'm just I'm, flirting with the I'm a. thinking. I like in terms of like if we're looking at the textbook definitions, I feel like bisexual works, but I just I don't know. I just love I love the word lesbian. I've always loved it. I loved it when I thought I was a woman. I was really excited to be a dyke, and I'm I'm hesitant to trade away that word just because I'm also doing interesting gender things. Honestly, queer is my favorite word. So, But yeah, I like, I don't know. I love labels and definitions. They're not for everyone, but I like little boxes and I like linguistics. So it's very fun for me to like contemplate the nuance between each term. Uh, But that's me and my relation to queerness. (laughs) I'm feeling very sassy
1: today. And I muted myself specifically during that because I was like, you linguistics? Um,
0: Uh, That's fair, though.
1: (laughs) My name's Iris. I use they, he pronouns. I am an aspiring dyke, but really I'm just pansexual. I might be demiromantic, but honestly, I have no fucking clue anymore. I'm definitely trans. Woo! I don't know what flavor of trans, but I'm not cis. I'm pretty sure I'm non binary gender fluid, but like the problem with gender fluidity is that it be a bitch sometimes and you never know. Hard to put a fluid in
0: a box i mean it depends on the box i guess i don't know i just I if the box is too small box. yeah don't put it in cardboard you could put it in like a blast maybe a glass box that could be pretty but well, I, I don't know i feel like fluids hot. are meant to be what bougie bullshit are we talking about i don't know i didn't want to do plastics <laughs> <laughs> we just had a whole episode talking about how dangerous plastics are when you mix them with certain fluids I mean,
1: it it's plasticizers was the focus of that conversation, but
0: please listen to the previous podcast episode if you're like, what the fuck are they talking about? Yeah, I and well, I love the way you're talking, like, listeners, if you haven't guessed today's question is about being queer. And I I love also the example we both get to provide. We're two people very comfortable, I think, with queer identities. Uh, I loved how you said aspiring dyke, by the way, that was beautiful, delicious, fantastic. Thank you. But like, even even as people who have been queer, I've been out to myself for 15 years and out to the, to the world for 14 years. But I'm still thinking about what I want to use. Everything is, you know, it shifts and changes over time, and that doesn't mean it's a phase. But like, there's no static state of being for a human being. So queerness is something that, like, if you would like to, you get to constantly reevaluate it at your whim and at your leisure, uh, which I think is really beautiful. Iris, you were so so lucky to receive our first question over Fed Life, which was so cool. Yeah, um it no kinky
1: queries now has a fat life so follow us on fat life and be our friends woo! Um, but yeah we had a user reach out to us over fat life their name is venti and they asked us the question how do i feel like i belong in a queer space if i don't feel queer enough and this really comes down to am i queer enough in this question they were referring to our previous episode am i kinky enough and they were listening to that being like yeah like there's that question but also like am I even queer enough And it's like oh what a question am I queer enough I don't know who's creating these standards how do you go up the ladder of queerness is there a ladder of queerness is it a pyramid instead who the fuck knows
0: well you start your process to become queer you fill out the form uh and then Elton John looks it over and if he approves then you get your card John
1: are you fucking kidding me
0: I don't know. He's like the first big queer person that comes to mind for me when I think about it's having a, a committee.
1: Card. It's a disorganized committee, but it's a committee. There's multiple different subcommittees within it, and a couple of different task forces. Anyways, um, this is all a <laughs> joke. Um, there is no what the answer is is literally there is no criteria to mm-hmm. being queer other than identifying as queer. If you feel that you fall within the LGBTQIA plus community in some respect, congratulations, you're queer. And you are queer enough. Um, But we're going to get a little bit more into the nitty gritty of this. We just wanted to give you all a TLDR first.
0: Yeah. One, what's so great about this question, kind of echoing that am I kinky enough question is like the short answer is the same for both of them. If you think you're queer, then you're queer. If you think you're kinky, then you're kinky. And you are enough as you are. Not to be like some sort of inspirational, like self-love podcast. Because I mean, we usually talk about a different type of self-love. And am I right? But (laughs) Sorry, that was so cringe. I did also want to say, um, before we dive in, which I am so excited because I love talking about queer history and queer definitions, as Iris so lovingly pointed out earlier, the commenter also had a very kind comment for me in particular uh, about being Jewish, uh, saying that it was refreshing to hear me talk about it. And I just, with everything that's going on in the world, that was really meaningful for me to hear. So thank you very much, Venti. I, I appreciate it. If we wanted to get into, like, the details of defining queer, right, like, to be queer enough, you have to know what it means to be queer, right? So you could make the argument if you wanted to define queer in the same, kind of using the same model we use for defining kink, right? Kink is not vanilla, whatever that means to you. So argument can be made. Queer is, and it has to be all of these things, not heterosexual, not cisgender, not monogamous, and not allosexual and not aromantic. If you were, let's say, heterosexual, cisgender, monogamous, but asexual, you're queer. If you were like maybe gay, but cisgender and monogamous and allosexual and alloromantic. You're obviously queer. Basically it's it's hard to define a thing by saying what it's not, but it's also hard to encapsulate queer because it's such a a sweeping categorization of human experience. So I found like a good shorthand is basically saying you don't follow the dominant culture's prescribed model for relationships, which is tricky. Because then as being queer becomes more socially acceptable, it also becomes harder to define in that way. Obviously, we want it to be more socially acceptable, but it's sort of this double-edged sort of like, how do I define myself as a queer person when being queer is also becoming mainstream? So there's, you know, you can argue that like the idea of dominant culture is like a long-standing historical thing. You could argue about it from the lens of like what has legal protections, what doesn't, what is seen as normative by larger society as opposed to like governmental standards, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's sort of a really broad high tier definition.
1: So it can be like, you gave great examples, but like, yeah, you could be cis, but not heterosexual and like you're still queer, or you can be trans, but are heterosexual and you're still queer. And like the ace and aro community, you are also fucking queer and we love our ace and aro humans as a demi i think i'm demi uh human i love y'all and y'all are so welcoming and so lovely the polyamorous community it really depends on who you talk to but like there's so many queer polyamorous people like they fall within the community it's it's kind of confusing but it's also saying but like if we don't include the polyamorous community it's like saying like oh well if you're kinky You're not queer. All of these different communities, we fall together. We are all part of this like non societal standard. And I'm putting like really heavy air quotes Mm -hmm. around that. This non societal standard, we don't fit within it. Uh, And we're very much heavily talking from like a US perspective and like a very privileged US perspective. But like queer is what you make it. And there's a lot of spaces for queer people. Um, Granted, all of those are different and uh, they change and not all are as inclusive as some should be, but those are some details I'm sure we're going to get into in the episode uh, later on, but like queer is what you make it and queer is how you identify, and whether you want to use the word queer, because queer has a lot of connotations to it as well, where some people don't particularly like that language, and that it is offensive to them. If you, So I'm going to reframe it for all of y'all as well, and we're going to change back and forth between language, just to be inclusive of everybody. If you believe you're part of the LGBTQIA plus community... You are part of the LGBTQIA plus community. Congratulations. You did it. You made Yay. it in. That is all the criteria.
0: <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree with that. And obviously there's like a lot of different words. Like Iris and I have very casually used the word dyke. That has definitely been considered a slur in the past. And not every person who considers themselves sapphically aligned would want to use that term. For mm-hmm. uh, when we were in high school, gay was basically used as like a derogatory term. So that's not everyone's cup of tea. Um, a lot of words that describe this community have been used to hurt us in the past so it is totally okay if you're like hey I don't want to use that word for me that's fine my concern of course comes up when you're telling other people what words they're allowed to use for themselves that's
1: or you business. use that word for them and you haven't gotten permission to use that word so like we're bringing up a lot of different language uh, another one that came to mind that was very popular in one of my middle school experiences was faggot um and really I yes And I know a lot of people who identify as faggot and are just like, ooh, I was called that and I don't like that. If somebody was just like, that is how I identify and I would like to be called fag or faggot, I'd be like, cool, congratulations, you are a faggot in my eyes. But that's not something that I personally would want to identify with or be called.
0: Yeah, which is very understandable and respectable that's oh that's so wild to imagine that in middle school but yeah that's definitely another term where it's like pretty heavy-handed a lot of people can feel very seriously about that one in particular and that's been something I've been like slowly reclaiming for myself I wouldn't consider it as like a personal identifier but I in the same way that like you lovingly call someone a bitch like that's sort of where that term has fallen for me but it's only like a lot of people cunt Um, in a
1: loving way
0: yeah but it's also like that's like a queer to queer kind of language like mm-hmm. if a non-queer person were to call me a faggot I'd be like hey fuck you uh do you want to fight like is this are we starting a fight right now but yeah there's a lot of nuance to language so obviously safe bet is to always just ask people like hey how do you like to be referred like what what do you want to call yourself and also I think what Ira said too in terms of like the the scope of the, you know, cultural perspective of the United States today even is a very important lens to look through. Uh, I have a document that I lovingly crafted about two years ago for Pride uh, that's called Before Stonewall, A Global Queer History. And I basically have from like 2500 BCE to like Stonewall as... Examples from around the globe of queer people in all iterations existing. Literally, like, there is a gender non-conforming person buried in the Czech Republic from, like, 2800 BCE. There are, in, in Rome, it was super normal for, like, men to have sex with other men. It was part of the culture. It wasn't viewed how we view, like, men having sex with men today. You know, if you were to take the concept of queerness and apply it throughout history using our lens, we can say, oh, ah, yes, that is a gay person, that is a trans person. But those cultures of those times are going to have different, not only just different language, which if we look at, you know, indigenous cultures in the United States, there are so many words for what we consider queer people. Um, fun uh, Jewish fact is that according to like older, like Jewish scripture, there are six genders, which includes like transgenders and non-conforming genders as we would modernly describe them, which I was like just thrilled to learn about. James, can you can you describe that a little bit more as someone who is just learning that right now? That's so exciting. Uh hold on. I have to Google it because I don't fucking remember. Oh, it's eight genders. My bad. So many <laughs> genders. I love yeah. it. I so need this more is... though. <laughs> this is basically like it's not the the Torah per se, it's the Talmud, which is basically a compendium of Jewish like legal traditions. Uh sort of in the same way that when I think of like either the Torah or the Bible, I'm like, this is a farmer's almanac for like four thousand years ago kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. But basically the breakdown, I'm not going to try to read the the Hebrew words because my Hebrew is bad. I'm not good at it. It's also very, very Brooklyn. So I'm not going to embarrass myself by doing that. But the eight breakdowns from this myjewishlearning.com website that I found in two seconds, my bad. Uh, if this is not accurate, if there is a more knowledgeable Jewish scholar than me, feel free to drop us a message and say, hey, James, you got this wrong cause I love learning, but basically there's, you know, cis male, cis female, having both male and female characteristics, lacking sexual characteristics. The fifth one is identified female as birth, but later naturally developed male characteristics. Sixth one is identified female at birth, but later developed male characteristics through human intervention. And then we've got identified male at birth, but later developing female characteristics naturally identified male at birth, later developing female characteristics through human intervention. So this basically is very inclusive of intersex people which is a phenomena <laughs> that has been around uh, basically since humans Correct. differentiated themselves from animals because animals also have this but if we're considering it a human phenomena which it's not we see it in animals all the time but it's been around as long as humans have been around and i found this a very exciting use case of this being documented historically through the lens of you know jewish studies so that brought a lot of joy to my heart. And anyway, I, I'm i not going to go over basically all of the variations, but literally like I went out of my way to find examples for every continent because being queer all over the place, all over the globe, all over history, we've been here the whole time.
1: And we're not leaving. I just want to point that out. You can't get rid of us.
0: Yeah. Someone, I don't remember which TikTok user I heard say this, but queer people don't go away. We just go into hiding, which historically is something we've had to do in the past. and it's awful and terrible and I hope we never have to do it again but we don't go away we're not going anywhere you just might not see us if if you don't think queer people are around you're just not looking close enough yes Uh, and I will fucking
1: fight you if you try and make us go into hiding
0: again because fuck y'all who are making that happen or trying to make that happen big agree pivoting back to like queerness as an identity right Well, do we want to pivot
1: back to queerness as an identity
0: or why somebody might be asking this question,
1: even if they identify as queer? The question of, am I queer enough? Where that is coming from? Because I'd love to comment on that.
0: In terms of queer identities, part of it is it is a self-determination thing, right? Like Nobody gets to tell you that you're queer, only you get to decide that, which I think is a very interesting phenomena that I've seen, particularly on like men hooking up with men, And this sort of down-low phenomena where guys are like, yeah, I'm straight, but I want to suck cock. Which, like, me as a queer person is like, my friend, that is gay behavior. But that's not my place to tell someone what their identity is. So I think that's also something... You know, for people considering a queer identity, know that like it is your choice. You get to decide what you are. Nobody gets to tell you what you are. Now, if you want to ask other people's opinions, they can certainly give them to you. But if someone gives you their opinion unsolicited, like they have no right and are being, frankly, very rude. You know, feel free to keep that in your heart as you're approaching queer identities, maybe for the first time or maybe with a new lens.
1: Um, I mean, we're starting to see that change in language also in research as well, where it went from like gay, straight, lesbian, bisexual, pansexual, etc, to like, yeah, we have that question. But then there's additional questions of, have you ever slept with somebody of the same sex or same gender? Instead of being like, is this an identity question? Or is this more about like, actions and like, how sexuality manifests over time? And are we interested in necessarily how somebody identifies or the actions over the past six months, the actions over the past two years, Mm -hmm. actions over a lifetime? And so like, Questions are also changing in the research field, which is really interesting about how people go about asking about sexuality.
0: Yeah. And I think definitely, as a research question, identity is meaningful for certain aspects of research, but like, particularly if you're looking at like biological or like any safety factors as well, which I know research can often lean towards. It's really going to be action more than identity. So that's, yeah, I love that perspective. Identity can have value when you're looking for things or when you're talking to other people about things in the sense that like, it's the same thing we were saying with kink, right? Like words and language are how we make the electricity in my brain communicate with the electricity in your brain. So saying, hi, I'm a lesbian will usually steer men away from me. And sometimes that's beneficial. And sometimes it's like, oh, no, that trans guy is really hot. I want to make sure he knows that I also am interested in him. So I shouldn't, I probably shouldn't use the word lesbian if I want to communicate with this trans guy.
1: Yeah. And that's why, like, I'm pansexual aspiring dyke. But like there are mass presenting individuals who I do find attractive. And there was like a non-binary mass presenting individual recently where I was, I thought we were flirting and I mentioned that I was queer and they took that as, oh, not me.
0: No, queer. I love using queer as a framework of saying, talk to me more about this. Let's delve into the details together. Queer is an invitation. Right.
1: Uh, and it's really interesting for like, I think it's really interesting, like the non-binary masculine presenting perspective of like am I queer enough conversation because mm -hmm. there's a lot of people who experience going into queer spaces and being like oh well I'm not non-binary enough or I'm not trans enough and I'm not queer enough so I probably just shouldn't go to these events because I didn't feel welcome and I didn't feel like I could be there because a lot of the media portrayal that we have of non-binary is afab individuals and more femme presenting and that is not accurate to the whole experience and that is not accurate to like how people should be welcomed into queer spaces and lgbtqi plus spaces
0: absolutely yeah uh listeners you can't see this because this is an auditory medium not a visual medium but i like made the biggest frowny face as iris was saying that because like non binary is not woman light. That's not, it literally means uh, no thank you to gender. It means I'm doing gender outside of the boxes. Like, that's such a sad and, like, limiting lens through which to look at gender. Um, But I think what you were saying about, like, queer spaces, if you're looking for specific interactions in queer spaces, it's good to know what you're looking for. Like, if you're asexual, you might not feel comfortable in, like, an allosexual gay space. If you're, like, a cis lesbian, you might not get what you're looking for in transgender spaces. And it really just depends on, like, what you're looking for, and also, hopefully, what these communities are saying. Because, unfortunately, you know, a lot of spaces will say, all are welcome, but they don't mean that, which is Mm -hmm. beyond frustrating. But I do, I find value in the sense that some spaces are like, yeah, this space is for this section of the queer community but like it's well said that like niche events can be made for niche audiences but like wider events should be accessible for everyone like there should be space ideally for everyone
1: right and like i specifically think about like black indigenous people of color going into queer spaces where the ongoing narrative is that they do not feel welcome they are overly white they are white centric And not having spaces for BIPOC to be able to be part of the queer community and having to create their own community because white LGBTQ spaces are not as welcoming as they should be.
0: Yeah, which is an absolute shame, but a lot of queer people forget that just because you're one minority doesn't mean you're exempt from being discriminatory to other minorities. Gay Mm -hmm. people are absolutely capable of being racist. Gay people are capable of being homophobic. Like- You're just because you're gay doesn't mean like you've never done anything bad in your life ever. But you know what, just because you've made a mistake once doesn't mean you can't learn from that mistake and can't go on to be a more welcoming and accepting person. I have more visibility into it now in my community uh, that there's a lot of events that are like labeled as BIPOC exclusive or BIPOC focused as well. And I think that's Like, it's a shame that people have to create their own spaces, but the fact that niche audiences want niche events, I think that makes sense, especially if those needs aren't getting served by, like, the larger events, which I wish they were, but I can understand the creation of more spaces for needs that need to be met.
1: I mean, that also, like, so my assumption when you said that was, oh onyx is thriving in la right now fabulous
0: admittedly i haven't looked at the details because sometimes i look at the details and i'm like oh my gosh that seems so fun i wish i could go so i don't know if they're affiliated with onyx specifically or if it's a like same evolution in a different environment kind of situation the
1: purpose for
0: a lot of bipoc only
1: spaces for queer community and the kink bdsm community is also that like those are different experiences for those individuals and it is a safer space Mm -hmm. to be a BIPOC person in those spaces when they are BIPOC only so like I love that that exists
0: yes definitely
1: Um, and there's just an overall call and action that needs to take in the wider LGBTQ Mm -hmm. community to be more inclusive overall I think of pride every year as somebody who has chronic pain and disability that is not an accessible space for me a lot of the time. And that is not an accessible space for a lot of people. When I was a little bit more able-bodied and was in the Pride Parade in Boston, there was a year where I was marching with the pink group at the end, because of course we were at the end and my friend is in a wheelchair. And we decided that like I was going to pull them as a pony in their wheelchair the entire route, which that is not a small route, but first Oof. off. That was amazing and it was hilarious. The children loved me, the parents hated me (laughs) and my friend literally got to be pulled around by a pony the entire route. And that was adorable, especially in the kink contingent.
0: Absolutely, I fun fact and I hope it's okay. I like de-identified, but like I love telling the story to other kinky people when I'm like talking about kink and accessibility. I'm like, oh yeah, my friend like engaged in pony play and like basically took their friend in a wheelchair around as like on a chariot it was like like I love I love this story (laughs) and they brought me baby carrots oh my god that's (laughs) so cute
1: (laughs) like there's ways to be accessible there's ways to be so like welcoming and nurturing to all in the LGBTQ community to all in the kink community no matter identity whether it is race and ethnicity whether it is gender whether it is different aspects of kink and bdsm whether it is religion there's just so many ways to go about it and it is a continuous failure and i'm going to use that word very strategically failure in large community spaces that these things are not being considered
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i definitely agree and i think there's definitely like nobody is going to be perfect right out the gate like if you're planning an event, you will probably miss something. Just statistically speaking, that's probably gonna happen. I think the best way to respond to that when someone says, hey, this is an inaccessible space. Hey, you've planned a potluck during Ramadan. Like, no one in the Muslim community can attend this event. You probably did not do this intentionally, but you still like need to say, like, I am so sorry. Let me see what I can change for this time. Or if the event has already happened, or if you can't change things, be like, I will make these changes next time. Just like responding with grace and kindness when someone tells you hey you've made this inaccessible is so important because you're not no one's going to get it perfect expecting someone to get it perfect every time is not realistic but like encouraging continued growth and encouraging continued like striving towards as much inclusivity as we can possibly get I think is at least in my opinion the goal
1: yeah and it's just like There's so much that needs to happen. Like, majority of this conversation is focused on, like, the am I queer enough and being the LGBTQ community being welcoming to
0: LGBTQ people. Like, what the fuck? The bar truly is the ground.
1: That it's such a basic thing of, like, if you identify as LGBTQIA+, you are part of this community and people still not feeling welcome. And whether that is a community level issue or different individuals within the community making others feel unwelcome and unsafe like it is still an issue and it is still an ongoing effort that we need to be more inclusive. And then we have all of these other individuals who intersect with other socially marginalized identities that have this extra barrier of feeling welcome on top of everything else.
0: Yeah. And I think in terms of the systemic level, that begins on the individual level, right? So like as individuals just doing what we can to be more inclusive and to, I think, A really great starting point for creating inclusivity in queer spaces is not demanding answers from anyone. Like if someone shows up at your space and you're like, well, this looks like a a cishet person. First of all, you don't know what a cishet person looks like. You don't know what a queer person looks like. We all look different. We all look unique and amazing and individual. And you can't just identify someone by looking at them. Don't like demand someone's identity when they enter a queer space. Mm -hmm. I First of all, it's none of your business. Uh, And also just let them exist. Unless you're trying to have a relationship with someone romantic or sexual, you don't really need to know what their exact identity is unless they want to share it with you. And even then, like, you know, maybe you don't need the details of someone's exact identity if you want to have a relationship with them. You just basically need to be like, hey, uh, does your identity of interest include uh, me as a person? And if they say yes, then cool. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and I think... There's something really joyful about having labels and having words and having language, but using those words and those tools for oppression feels counterintuitive to the whole thing. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And like the only place that I have found where like that gets a little confusing is like when people identify as straight and then they date me and it's like, oop, you found the loophole as a gender fluid goblin. Are you straight? We're not doing a lot of straight things, and, like, I don't identify as a woman, I haven't done that for, like, almost a decade. So, this isn't feeling super straight to me, do you think that's is straight? And they're like, well, this isn't straight, but everything else leading up to this was very straight. Just like, but this isn't straight. And people can identify as straight, and that's perfectly fine, as long as they recognize that our interactions are very much not heterosexual.
0: Yeah. And there's a degree of that where it becomes less about defining their identity for them and more like if they're insisting on being straight while dating or having relations with a like gender fluid person, there's a degree of that that kind of comes across as invalidation of someone's gender. So I think that's like a very interesting Space to exist in. I'm sort of existing on the other side of the coin for that, where I, you know, keep having relations with people who identify as lesbians. And I'm like, oh I am in the beginning stages of manhood, but I am a man. Like, I'm also like a he, him lesbian and do with that information what you will. But like, I'm in this place where I'm like, I'm going to like ignore my own gender for the sake of like enjoying these fantastic women because I have good taste. But like, I'm interested to see how that's going to go for me in the future as I... Because I'm still in this in-between stage, right? Where I'm still very... I can get away with presenting femme. But that... In like a year or two, I will not be able to do that. And Mm -hmm. I'm curious how that's going to manifest in terms of the way lesbians see me where I'm no longer like, ah, yes, this is, quote, a trans guy, unquote. And more like moving into that masculine space. Because a lot of it is... the, The way in which sexuality and gender can interact can unfortunately lead to a lot of misgendering, Mm -hmm. I
1: think. Yeah, and then it becomes, is it parts or is it the person? Is it the identity? And what it really comes down to is language is there to help you, but it is Mm -hmm. not the, like, the puzzle pieces are not always going to fit. Exactly. It's not always going to work. And what it really comes down to is, are you happy and attracted to romantically and or sexually to this other individual? fabulous. Is everything consensual? Great, it should be. And if the labels work, that's great. If they don't, that is also a-okay because labels are there to help, but they are not the end-all be-all.
0: Yeah, this isn't like medicine- You know, like the labels aren't like, well, this one's poison and this one's aspirin, like- But medicine
1: doesn't make sense either because they (laughs) keep calling me female and that's not right. And admittedly, if you
0: take enough aspirin, it does become poison.
1: Everything is on, like, some sort of wibbly-wobbly spectrum of something. There are very few cases where it's like, this is exactly how it works. And it always, keyword, always works that way. And there is no outliers. There are very few instances where that exists. And that is especially true for queerness.
0: Yeah. Being queer is being in the outliers. You're you're playing in the unscripted territory. This is actually something really joyful I got to talk through with a friend where um, we were talking about like queer relationships and the difference between like being friends with someone and being romantically interested with someone. And that's, oh my God, like the queer nightmare. But that's also part of the queer joy because there's no script. We said goodbye to the heteronormative script when we realized who we were and who we wanted to be. And that's both terrifying and beautiful. There's no rules. We are the outlier. We get to make our own rules. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: And like part of being queer, and we didn't say this earlier, but I think it's really important is just being your true
0: authentic self. So just do that. Do that and you'll be fine. Yeah. Try to have fun. Being queer is supposed to be fun. The the people that want to get rid of us want us to be miserable. Don't let them win. We're supposed to be having fun.
1: Gay literally means happy. Let's do it.
0: Yeah. Lean in. We should be joyful. It's, it's all about drinking wine and eating figs in the sunlight, you know, like, or dates. What is the quote? You know what I'm talking about. In a hammock. Oh, I don't know the quote. I'm just (laughs) here for the vibe. Well, thank you so much for listening. As we talk about our favorite things. If there's one thing I love more than being kinky, it's being queer. Uh, and goodness, I couldn't possibly choose between the two of them. They're both first place. But if you've got a kinky question or a queer question, or I don't know, any question, really, send us your queries at kinkyqueries at gmail.com. Feel free to follow us on Twitter or Instagram or Tumblr. Or Fet Life. Oh, right. Or Fet Life. Uh, we're also on Pet Life. And check out our website, www.kinkyqueries.com. That's K-I-N-K-Y. Q-U-E-E-R-I-E-S. I I don't know why I spell it out. Everyone is listening to this on a digital device so they can see our name, but whatever. We will have our next episode ready for you soon. Thanks so much for listening. This was such a joyful question. I loved it. We did it. Yay. It's gay. (laughs) It's gay. (laughs)